0: Hi, welcome to part three of my five part series on the Past Life Coaching Podcast about my own healing journey. So, if you haven't given a listen to part one or two yet, I would definitely start from the beginning at this point so that you are not lost. So, this is The Gates. So first, to understand what a gate is, you must understand a little bit about what a labyrinth is. So in my time as a birth doula and being immersed in birth culture, the labyrinth is often used as a metaphor for birth, which is in itself a type of journey of the soul. It's a beautiful framework for soul-level healing of any type. So I'll actually do an entire episode on labyrinths soon. Um, I have a really fun Sumerian folktale that I'll tell called Inanna's Journey into the Underworld, where um, I'll have time to really get into it. But for now, all you need to know is that you can think of a labyrinth as a safe, closed container to go inward on any sort of journey. So as you set your intention to cross the threshold of your own metaphoric labyrinth and journey into it, you come across gates along the way. So these gates are like sacred checkpoints, and they require you to release something, to surrender to something. They're like a tension point where the gate will only open once you understand the lesson and lean into it. So here's what this has to do with soul level healing like my journey and like the journeys that many of you will go on so after you've set your intention for deep healing and then you've uncovered your wound with the help of your past fractal of yourself the universe organizes itself around you to offer opportunities to intentionally move through whatever resistance is there so that you can surrender and move forward through whatever emotional pain is coming up for you that is related to your wound. So when this happens, the gate opens and then you can walk through. Sometimes what's on the other side of the gate is a breakthrough or a shift or sometimes even a gift or an opportunity. Once you've walked through the gate, you typically will not have to walk through that same gate again. It's like it collapses as this karmic piece of your own soul's journey completes itself. So I had many gates appear before me in my journey, and it was emotionally a very intense period of time. But once I was able to move through a gate, I was able to continue my journey along my own labyrinth until I reached another gate. The main theme that came up for me was around acceptance of my health and this fear that I had of not getting better. And this was creating resistance to where I was unconsciously not wanting to ground into my body, ground into my reality in this lifetime. So if you remember, in my past life session, I spoke about my procedure that my past life self told me to go ahead with. So I wasn't looking forward to it. Um, I had never had surgery before, and I was really nervous. I had this fear of surgery, Um, but I felt really certain That my intuition and my past self hadn't led me astray here. So I moved forward and felt uh, grounded in that decision. And so to recap, there was no guarantee that the surgeon would find anything. We were both kind of guessing that I might have um, this issue, pelvic congestion syndrome. And so the, the procedure is called a venogram, where they go in through your veins and check out what's going on and take imaging. And then they can close things up or do what they need to do once they're in there. So I had, I felt really certain that it was the right decision. Though I wouldn't lie if I said I wasn't really nervous about it. So while I was laying on the table, they put me under twilight sleep. I heard the surgeon confirm that my left ovarian vein was refluxing and causing blood to pool in my pelvis. So basically, my blood was flowing down into my pelvis instead of going up to my heart. And it was getting trapped there uh, in these veins that had just went cup (laughs) put they were all blown out and useless and they were all my blood was pooling in those veins so he he shut those down he closed them out so that my body could start rerouting my blood in a different way using veins that actually worked so that was a huge relief that I had been right and then I heard him say Oh, <laughs> look! It's May Thurner's, and it's really bad. And I was like, "What?" Because <laughs> I was I was super out of it, but I heard enough. Um, I I knew what that was, and so it wasn't like a big surprise, but it just it, it just explained everything. So May Thurner's syndrome, it's where one of your major veins that's in your pelvis it connects your leg to your vena cava, which is your main vein that runs up your spine, up to your heart, up to your brain. Uh, So uh, that vein uh, in my pelvis, the iliac vein, is compressed between the iliac artery and my spine. So that the blood uh, was kind of bottlenecking there. And so mine was compressed over eighty percent, which is considered severe. Uh, so it was creating this big traffic jam in my circulation, and I had uh, all this scar tissue around the vein. Um, and the Maytherners was actually what had caused the the original issue, um, because of that that traffic jam. It, my veins just gave out, so Uh, (laughs) it was just kind of a mess. And I had all these collaterals going up my spine, which are like, um, I don't know if you've ever been on, I I lived in San Diego for all my life until last year, but I always think of this, where they built, um, there's this really terrible freeway. Um, where there's always traffic, always traffic. And so what they did to solve this problem was they built a bypass so that whoever wants to can go get on the bypass to help kind of reroute some of the traffic so it doesn't cause a big traffic jam. And so my body basically had built a bypass or had been attempting to build bypasses Uh, on my along my vena cava trying to get this dang blood back up to my heart (laughs) so it was just yeah it explained why I had POTS of course and um so that was a relief to just have this validation uh Because part of me, of course, was always thinking, oh, it's just all in your head. It's like, nope. Definitely was not. So, yeah, it was causing me to not, my body not to like being upright and vertical. Because my blood was all in my lower half of my body, not in the upper half. So, my surgeon's recommendation was to get a stent. Because my quality of life was so poor at the time of the surgery. Uh, So stenting. Which basically they would just open up. uh, They'd blow through that scar tissue. And open up that compression. In my iliac vein. With a stent. And it would stay with me the rest of my life. (laughs) And stenting. Stenting. Especially especially there, in that spot, it comes with a lot of risks. It's relatively new technology, and if you have any allergies to metal, which I do, uh, you can have problems, your stent can get occluded, you can never remove it. Uh, so they just have to put in extra stents. <laughs> this just can be kind of a mess. Um, but my brain heard, you could have a normal life. I think we should get a stent. And uh, I was just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I just took it and ran with it. And my brain latched onto that. Uh I was like, yes, okay, let's do it. (laughs) I started fantasizing about traveling again and exercising and doing all these able-bodied things that I wasn't able to do anymore. Things that I never really could do in the first place. (laughs) Um, Never mind that I had other unresolved health issues and, you know, the stent could give me lifelong problems and it could be the worst decision I ever made, uh, but uh, you know, small price to pay. <laughs> I was I was so seduced by this idea of normalcy. I thought I just I scheduled the next surgery for the following month uh, without checking in with my intuition or getting consent from my own body, uh, and it's just like, all right, let's do it. So. In effect, what happened was that my grounding to earth and this body became conditional. It became conditional on my health improving. Like, you know, I don't have to do the hard work of acceptance. Right? I can just skip that part and just have this perfect life. And so then the universe organized some lessons for me to begin to surrender to what I was unwilling to face and unwilling to accept and to look at. Which was this question of what if if I don't get better? So here's an example. When I was a child... I always dreamed of being a famous singer that was my goal in life when I was five I told my mom I was going to be a famous singer and she said okay well then you better take some singing lessons so I started lessons at age five Um, she's a musician she was super supportive of me and I started uh, classically training by age 13 I was in all these musicals and operas. I got uh, had like a professional recording career as a kid. Fun fact, (laughs) I always forget about this. I was on the, um, it was like a, some sort of Disney soundtrack for, it was like a Disney, I don't know what it was. It was some sort of Disney thing. Uh, When I was a little kid, for Cool Runnings, (laughs) I got to sing like a Cool Running song for some album. I don't know. So I got I got to do all these different random things. I got you know I was the voice for a a children's book where I got to sing. I had a you know a tape that came with it. (laughs) All these things. So you know this is this is my professional gig. And I was really serious about it. And I was on track to be an opera singer. That was what I was going to do. After I graduated college, I was going to get my master's and then go on the opera track. Uh, But then I... School school was not so easy for me. Um, And I made the choice during college that I did not want to continue school. I did not really want to be. Um, I, I didn't want to have the unpredictability of having a life traveling the world as an opera singer because I wanted to have a family. I wanted a more traditional life. I wanted to get married. I wanted kids. I wanted stability. And so I kind of had these two choices and I chose to have the latter and and do performing more as a side hustle instead of a a full-time gig. So this was before my health took a bad turn. And although I was at peace with my decision, I never grieved the life I had so deeply desired for so long and part of me was resisting my current life and the choice to not pursue my big music dreams and the fact that my circumstances were now such that it felt like I couldn't even do it if I wanted to because I was Physically, physically, I wasn't able to live a life of the stage. Uh, when I went day to day, never knowing how many spoons I was going to wake up with. Uh, if, if you don't know what that means, then you're not a spoonie. <laughs> uh, the spoon theory is, you know, those of us who have chronic illnesses, we call ourselves spoonies because Lord knows we need community and um it's all kind of back to this idea of the spoon theory where some some days we might have say we have wake up and have 20 spoons we might use a spoon to take a shower another spoon to put on our makeup might use a another might take two spoons to make breakfast and maybe three spoons to go for a walk around the block right but you've got 20 spoons so so you know you won't really have to worry too much about running out whereas uh, a spoonie uh, I never know if I'm going to wake up with three spoons or 12 spoons <laughs> and it's every day is a surprise and so you know some days All I have enough spoons to do is to, you know, get put on my makeup and put on some clothes and sit here at my desk and work and coach and, you know, do this job that I love. And some days, uh, sometimes I have more, you know, sometimes I can go to the farmer's market or... You know, I, it's, it, I really never know. <laughs> and so it can be hard to make plans or predict exactly what I'm going to face every day. So realistically, you know, having a performing career when some days, you know, it's hard to kind of get out of bed. Not necessarily um, the best lifestyle choice. But then an opportunity came up. So in one of my Facebook groups that I'm in, it's for part-time or uh, also called ambulatory wheelchair users. Someone posted an audition notice. That wicked musical being produced in london and they were looking for a part-time wheelchair user like an actual wheelchair user uh, to play nessa one of the characters and this had been the past year i'd gotten comfortable (laughs) um introducing mobility aids including wheelchair into my lineup of helpful tools for me on my low spoon days so uh, it just felt like this was my chance I I went on this full-on emotional roller coaster wicked is one of my dream shows I know the show inside and out I mean, of course, I'd rather play uh, Elphaba or Glenda instead of Nessa, to be honest. <laughs> but I would take what I could get. Uh, London is a, has a huge musical theater scene there, and they have a Broadway district, essentially. And so I was like, this is my chance to live my life on this other timeline that I had intended for myself for so many years. And I was resolved. I had to audition for this. It involved, you know, filming uh, an audition tape. And sending it in. So my heart was just exploding with hope for about a day. And then I came back down to earth. Reality began to seep in. And I realized after really thinking through it that if I was selected that I my health was too unpredictable to be able to be in a Broadway caliber show doing eight shows a week like like there's no way (laughs) my physical needs are so high um managing all of my illnesses so You know, I have to be immaculate with how I look after my body so that I can have enough spoons each morning. So that means going to sleep by 1030, sleeping eight hours, resting a lot, not waking up before my body is ready, managing my electrolyte balance. You know, that's my whole life kind of revolves around... The balance of my health and the list goes on uh, but I I can't just push through anymore that doesn't work for me I I just can't uh, so if one of those things are off it just impacts everything so that's why working from home and you know coaching and doing hypnosis over the computer like this how is this my life it's it's my dream job I am so lucky that I get to do this um, I, I get to build in rest and build in self-care into my schedule because I work for myself and not to mention I would have to relocate my whole family to London <laughs> after we just settled into our life in Texas after changing states about a year or so ago so it was you know I can continue in the life I created for myself which is pretty great which I in the moment it, I was in so much emotional pain I couldn't really see it you know and I could learn to accept it or I could be unhappy in this life And hold out hope for some other alternate reality that, uh, you know, did not exist in this timeline. (laughs) So I chose to surrender to this current reality, even though it was painful. And I cried a lot. Because this is my guides giving me this sacred opportunity... To finally release the resistance that I'd been holding on to for over a decade. To surrender so that I could begin to process it. And eventually accept. I had been carrying this pain for a very long time. And this whole story of, you know, what could have been and and wondering. And that was preventing me from, you guessed it, grounding into this lifetime. Because I had an idea of a better reality elsewhere where I wasn't sick. Where I could have a normal life. And holding on to that was not helping me. It was hurting me. So this offered me a really beautiful opportunity to grieve. And to begin to answer my own question of what happens if I don't get better. Will I still love me? Will I still accept me? And through the grieving and surrendering... I was teaching myself that, yes, I would. Always. So after I walked through gate after gate, much of them similar to what I described, different variations. And the journey being somewhat lonely because I unfortunately didn't have a clone of myself. Although, I do have an amazing support team of other coaches and healers. I reached a tipping point where all of the gates had been unlocked, and I reached the center of the labyrinth. Because every labyrinth has a center. And who was waiting for me there? It was, dun dun, dun. <laughs> it was my future self. So I'll tell you all about how I accidentally channeled my future self in the last part of my own story. And that's part four, the rebirth. And that's next. See you then.